Hello everyone and welcome to Ghost Turd Stories. I'm your host, Troy Gent. Ghost Turd Stories' mission is using humorous stories from veterans and first responders to reduce the burden of families whose veteran or first responder committed suicide. Ghost Turd Stories' vision is to use humor from veteran and first responder stories to prevent suicide within our ranks and reduce the burden of families whose veteran or first responder committed suicide. We hoped to attract veterans and first responders as well as those interested in knowing more about what it's like to be in our shoes while we wear or wore those shoes. Uh, welcome everybody to Ghost Turd Stories. This is Troy Gent, your host. My guest tonight is Dylan Morgan. He was one of my team leaders in Afghanistan and for a time, one of my squad leaders when uh, units were getting shifted around, but ended up as one of my team leaders, uh, one of my favorite, honestly. And uh, I just really appreciate him being here. Welcome, Dylan. Hey, Troy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, who you served with and what units you were with. Yeah. So uh, as you kind of alluded to, I was in the, the Marine Corps. Um, I had the privilege of serving in uh, two different commands. The first was 1st Battalion, 7th Marine Sea Company, uh, also known as Suicide Charlie, two guidons. And then uh, 3rd Battalion, 4th Marine India Company, also known as Dark Side. Tell us why Suicide Charlie was nicknamed Suicide Charlie. Yeah, so it's it's a kind of a beautiful history. Um, you know, suicide actually got the name back in 1942 during the Battle of Guadalcanal. There was a, an infiltration of uh, the Japanese soldiers, kind of given a, a brunt force attack, and suicide was right there in the middle. Um, Alpha on one side, which is Animal Company, and, and Baker uh, on the other side, which is Bravo Company. Suicide took kind of the, the brunt force of the attack. We actually had Chesty B. Pooler was our battalion commander at the time. And then uh, John Bassalone uh, was also um, a part of 1-7. And um, as we just continued to take the, the brute of the attack, um, we had shot down some enemy planes and a parachute had landed in our vicinity. And uh, the next day after kind of the battle had cleared, you could see a Marine flying a flag and it was... Uh, a piece of that white parachute and it was a skull and crossbones and on it it said suicide charlie what's so amazing about that is, is charlie was spelled wrong um they spelled it c-h-a-r-l-e-y and uh to this day it has stayed uh, the same spelling with charlie c-h-a-r-l-e-y and i just i think that's amazing that our history can continue to survive us i believe that we are still the only company in the Marine Corps that um, has the privilege of, of flying two flags. That's awesome. So some knucklehead misspelled Charlie when he made the flag? He did. He did. And, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> to his credit, I'm sure it was uh, probably a pretty intense moment. And you know, it's kind of funny too, if you know, it's not really funny, but it's pretty awesome. Um, if you've ever watched the docuseries, The Pacific, uh, I believe in the, the first or second second episode uh, you can actually see the the suicide charlie flag flying that whole little story revolved right around what what we were doing as a company at that time you deployed to iraq twice with one seven is that right i did i did uh, i deployed uh twice 
with one seven um, in the Al-Ambar province there both times from 2007 to 2008 for my first deployment and then uh, 2009 for the second deployment there. And as soon as we came home from uh, that second deployment, uh, a group of uh, men from our battalion uh, went right back over um, with 3-4. I remember our first sergeant had uh, called all the Marines in who were on their second deployment and uh, he said, you know, we've got our, our sister battalion about to deploy and uh, we wanted to ask all, all you Marines who, um, you know, are on your second deployment, those who, you know, don't necessarily have big families at home, uh, if anybody wants to volunteer and I think at the end of the day, there was only about seven, seven or eight guys from uh, from Charlie Company that uh, ended up coming over. We were home one month and then turned around and, and went right back with you guys uh, over to Af- Afghanistan. Okay. Yeah, at the time you didn't have a family, but was it more a sense of obligation or like, yeah, I want to go back over this sounds exciting or what was the... So I had a, a really close friend of mine, uh, San Sim who had uh, volunteered to be a combat replacement for 3-7. And um, he had actually passed away in Afghanistan right before that deployment. And I kind of felt like, in my mind, it would be a great, a great way to, to honor that Marine to go over and serve and try and see if you know we could complete the mission of, of what he wasn't able to fulfill. And, and honestly, for me, it was... That was the driving force um, behind it, and I had a lot of anger and built-up resentment. I just felt like it was something that I needed to do, and that that was kind of the the driving force um, behind me um, raising my hand. Okay, so how did you feel after our Afghanistan deployment? You know, I think at the end of the day, um, where I'm at now, uh, I'm I'm pleased with what we were able to accomplish um, as a company and as a Marine Corps. I'd like to say that everything that I did and the people that were around me did, we could have only done what we were allowed to do. You know, at times I still felt like I had left something on the table or I didn't give it my all, but I know that that's not true deep down inside. And and I know that there's always going to be a part of me that, that wishes things could have been a different way or, but what I've come to realize is I'm okay with doing exactly what I've done and I'm okay with, uh, the events that, that transpired, and it's just a a time to to live another day. Sure, yeah. I, mean, I went through some of that when I got back. I wanted to go right back over and, and join. I think it was oh, it was Dark Horse is their nickname. I just felt so obligated to go back over there, and I almost convinced my wife. But I think we could have gone over there twenty times, and we probably still feel the same thing, you know. So. And I, I agree with that completely. Tell us a little bit about the funny experiences that uh, you've thought of already. And <laughs> so, yeah, um, I, I'd taken some time to kind of think about this. And oh, on my very first appointment, um, we had the honor of being there during the summertime and during the winter time. So we kind of got. Um, the beautiful weather of both uh, winter and and summer, and at this particular time, you know, it was really really hot, uh, and I just remember it being oh probably two thirty three o'clock in the morning, and uh, lean over to the guy I'm with. I'm like, dude, I am so freaking hot right now. I mean, I could 
take all all the stuff off and I'd probably still be hot. I was like, isn't there a water bottle around here somewhere? And uh, he's like, yeah, man, I think it's uh, right over there um, up against that HESCO barrier. So I reach over, I grab it, and all I could tell was it looked like a Gatorade bottle. And uh, <laughs> I unscrew it, and I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be great. And I pour it over my head. Oh, my gosh, dude. I already know what you're going to yeah, say. Yeah, it was, it was somebody's piss bottle. <laughs> <laughs> it was somebody's pee that they had pissed in a bottle and left it on post. Didn't even take – didn't have the courtesy to take their trash, right? Like, oh hey, man, gosh, take, man, take that off the post, dude. <laughs> no, no. Why would you do that? And uh, so sure enough, man, like instantly you could smell that ammonia. And I'm just like, are you effing kidding me right now, man? Like now I've got to sit another four hours with just pee all over me. Like how is this even remotely acceptable? I can tell you what, it it cooled me down for for a little bit though, but I sure did stink. Oh my gosh, dude, that's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I, I was I was thinking you were gonna say uh, a Gatorade bottle full of dip or piss. I was I was one of the two because Marines dip. Maybe I shouldn't. I won't say his name. In Afghanistan, they were they were on a, an observation post, but they came back and and they were all laughing at him. But just uh, you know, but so everybody else knows in Afghanistan, the locals crap everywhere. Just when they got to take a crap, they stop where they're at and they crap. So there's crap all over the place. And this Marine was on an observation post late at night, and he stuck his hand in some human crap and didn't, didn't know what it was and was wiping it all over himself. And, like, they could see him through the night They could see him through the night vision goggles. No, I don't remember this. They were on an observation post, but they couldn't laugh, so they're all laughing silently as best they could so they wouldn't give their position away. But Oh, man, that is, that is too funny, man. No, I, I didn't. Uh, I'm not aware of that. I'm going to have to start asking around. Yeah. I'll give you the name. I'll give you the name when we get off the get off the hook here. So. <laughs> okay, okay, that'll work. But like, so that that happened on my first deployment, and I'll I'll maybe try to go uh, deployment deployment here because there's a couple that just kind of coincide with each other. Um, you know, being a junior marine, I, I was a saw gunner uh, on on my uh, first deployment. So somehow this uh, squad leader looked at me. He was like, "Hey, man, yeah, I'm gonna." I'm going to give you the saw. You look like a dude who can, uh, you know, handle down 75% of the firepower for uh, your fire team and collectively the squad. And I'm like, all right, dude, yeah, that'll work. That'll work. But for some reason, I just had a love of the food uh, in Iraq. I mean, the kebabs, the the bread, um, the gus or shawarma, uh, whatever you want to call it. It was just so delicious to me. And uh, I don't know if it just happened to be the fact that I just love to eat everything and my my stomach wasn't used to it all the time, but you know, I just got notorious for having to to carry around TP with me. I'd try to go handle my business prior to it, but uh, you know, you're in the COC getting kind of uh, a breakdown, a, a brief of what the mission's going to be. Sometimes you know you can't always uh, make it, and when you're out there, sometimes duty calls. So was this a natural result of you eating the local food? You're like, I I better start taking TV with me because it was only you or was it the whole squad? It was only me, believe it or not. It was, it was honestly only me. I don't know if it was just because I had quite a few other senior Marines who were kind of adjusted to that. I mean, I think there were only three boots uh, in my entire squad and uh, I seem to be the only one to have this issue. I mean, it, it got to the point... <laughs> It got to the point where I had to carry around TP uh, every time we left the wire. 
yeah, I mean, we'd take an OP or go in and uh, take over a house. But, I mean, nine times out of ten, and I hate to admit it, but, you know, uh, there were times where I'd have to go up on the roof. And, you know, once that 360 was set, I'd have to lay a deuce uh, and, you know, cover it up or put it wherever I could so it wasn't noticeable. But it uh, it, it got to that point, man. <laughs> there is this... Uh, there is this kind of interesting on the on the first appointment still. And it kind of relates back to this weirdly. I don't know why, but anybody, if you're familiar with some of these Middle Eastern countries, they don't have plumbing inside. Uh, you know, they've kind of got these trenches that are cut out and just kind of like how you had mentioned in Afghanistan. If there's a hole, if there's a wall, somebody will go behind it and take care of their business. Uh, this didn't happen to me, thankfully. But um, I know of two, two guys that were coming back in the middle of the night and uh, they just happened to, uh, I don't know, cut a corner too quickly or what, but uh, they actually fell into the poop river <laughs> that was in Iraq. And uh, <laughs> it was pretty disgusting, man. The worst part about it for one guy was he lost a piece of his gear and he had to go back in after it. And the Marine Corps, at least, they stress gear accountability so much that, like, if you lose a piece of gear, it's either your life or the piece of gear. So, yeah, I lost my K-bar once as a lieutenant, and uh, I was exposed to the whole company. It was pretty embarrassing as a boot lieutenant. Did you Did you ever end up finding it? Uh, yeah. I had this prompting to ask the XO, who was a friend of mine, and I just kept denying the prompting and i i finally just told my platoon sergeant and he didn't really like me anyway so he's like ah we'll get the platoon online sir so <laughs> so we got the platoon online everybody what are you doing we're looking for lieutenant's k-bar <laughs> and then and i find out later the x the xo had it he found it on the ground so i should have gone to the xo and no one would have found out I don't feel I – mean, I made plenty of mistakes as a lieutenant, but I don't feel like I ever – I don't think I was too prideful with my mistakes, you know? No, man. You you were, you were always pretty locked on. I, well, I appreciate I appreciate you saying that. Well, I was, was going to say, man, a K-bar is not as bad as uh, losing your rifle. We had a lieutenant, and uh, I'm not going to name any names, but uh, this guy was uh, – he was a character. You know, like I know you're a Mustang, and I, I really respect that about you. Um, that, that's something that, that really speaks volumes of your character. But this guy, he was, uh, kind of straight out of college, went to OCS, came in with just a gung ho attitude and really thought he was the, the bee's knees at everything he did. Well, I don't really recall the certain circumstances of, of how this all played out, but as you know, um, being an officer in, in theater, uh, you guys pretty much always had a pistol, you know, on you at all times, a pistol or M4. I don't know if, if, if he just had thought, you know, like, I'm only wearing my pistol. Like, I didn't bring my M4 with me. But he had left it in the uh, the Humvee the entire time. And the only way we, we kind of all figured it out was somebody was just like, hey, uh, did, you leave your, did you leave your rifle anywhere? And uh guy's like, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's right here. It's been here this whole time. And uh, lieutenant's over there. <laughs> He's, uh, he's nowhere near it. I'm like, oh, okay, so that's not yours. That's his. Oh, okay. Well, we'll just leave it at that. We'll just leave it at that. 
Yeah, it's, it's odd to see a, uh, a rifle all by itself. You're supposed to see the human and the rifle together at all times. Yeah, you really are. But no, you were, you were mentioning something about uh, the second deployment, and I, I think we kind of... I was just, uh, you said there wasn't a whole lot that you wanted to share about that. Yeah, that, that deployment, I mean, there was just a lot of kind of nothing really of importance, I guess, in, in that one. The third deployment, however, you know, I just kind of got thrown into a, a brand new battalion, brand new company, brand new platoon. But, you know, I, I think I kind of lucked out out of all the Marines that got sent from 1-7 uh, over to 3-4 because... Everything that we did as a platoon, I mean, that's exactly what I was doing on my first appointment, and it felt like home. Uh, and that's something that, you know, I can't say for the other guys that uh, got deployed over there or that came with me. You know, they either got stuck in trucks or uh, they got stuck on the fob. Um, but, I mean, I literally got to enjoy everything that I, I did with those guys, and, and that, that's just something that's amazing to me. And, they came like a, a second family, you know, and I feel like you just when you came, it's almost like you were with us the whole time. Like you just fell right in and you fit right in. It was like Dylan's one of us, you know, it was really cool. Oh, it was. And to be accepted like I was that that made it even easier uh, and more enjoyable. What do you think you enjoyed most about? I think honestly, the fact that we got to continue to run patrols the way that I was used to running patrols, going out into the city. Well, I don't really call it a city. It's more of a little town or village. But still, being able to just get right back in there and, and do exactly what I was wanting to do. We didn't locate, close with, and destroy the enemy by fire and maneuver a whole bunch. But we definitely patrolled that little village uh, like it was our own. We took over. And the fact that we were able to control it with just a platoon, I mean, I think that should speak volumes of, of you. I mean, in, in those other Marines. I got to give credit to the platoon sergeant and the squad leaders. I mean, they had two combat deployments each uh, already. That was their third. And then people like you had two combat deployments. Like, I, they made me look good, and I didn't really deserve it, but I was just blessed that way. And I, I, I count my blessings all the time for that. So, Well, I can say this. Uh, that platoon sergeant is one of the best platoon sergeants that I've ever, ever got to deploy with. Yeah, he, he knew what he was doing. He was awesome. He did, man, and uh, I'm very grateful that I kind of got to, to slide in with him, and thankfully the guy liked me, so that was kind of a plus. <laughs> <laughs> I remember he was giving us some cigars one night, and he was like, hey, uh, do you smoke? And I was like, do I smoke? Man, hell yeah, I smoke. You know, I, I want a cigar. <laughs> And uh, sure enough, uh, we we lit up one, and I think it was like tasted almost like a mojito. It was kind of a little minty one. But speaking of cigars, this right here is something that I'll never forget. We did an op there in, in Afghanistan. It was me, and I think we had maybe like a like a squad reinforced or something. And you know, my squad leader was uh, I think the squad leader in charge of the entire thing. Uh, with another lieutenant who came over who actually turned out to be a really cool guy. But uh, we did a little mission, and uh, I think it was like a, a six-day op. Uh, we took the gunner. Oh, that was up in uh, Bougie Bass. That was, that was exactly right, in Bougie Bass Pass. Okay. It was such a cool op. I'll never forget it, and it was enjoyable. 
definitely sucked at the time because we got we got rained on like four out of the the five nights we were there we got rained on i remember you know the heel was dropping us off and and us having to hike up this mountain well dude i was point man at that point i was hiking up this mountain gunner's right behind me and i can't see anything that's in front of me not a thing is it because it was dark Oh, because it was dark and I was sweating so bad and my, my glasses were fogging up. So what, the first thing I do, I was like, this iPro's got to go, man. I'm not going to be able to take these guys up. And uh, I take off my iPro, just put my Oakleys on, you know, the, the ones that are clear. I just put them, tuck them right here uh, in, my, in my vest. And I start guiding us up, man. We're, we're cruising up here. And out of nowhere, this guy comes up to me and he's... He grabs me. He's like, hey, Marine, put your effing goggles on your face, man. And I'm like, but I can't see. <laughs> How am I going to get to see where I can't freaking see, man? He's like, oh, I don't give a shit. Put your effing goggles on your face right now. And I'm like, all right, what do you, whatever you say, sir, you know, you're the bee's knees right now. I can't argue with you. I think it's dumb, but, you know, whatever. So I think I think I ended up putting the frames back on and just taking the lenses off of them and uh, continuing up because he couldn't see all he could see was the um, the frames of it anyway. And uh, I remember specifically before this brief, we were like, "Hey, look, there's no tobacco, there's no cigarettes, there's no dip. You know, if you've got a vice, well, you better figure out how to kick it real quick because you're not bringing any of that junk up here." We don't want to give away our position. You know, I'm going to let you take a guess, but what's the very first thing that the most enlisted (laughs) senior Marine did? Not enlisted. He was a warrant officer. But what does this guy do as soon as we get up on top of that hill? He lights up a freaking stogie, man. Like like we had just conquered Mount Sarabachi. Like he lights up a stogie and is just puffing (laughs) on that thing and – I look at one of the other guys and I'm like, "Ah, no tobacco, huh?" That really made a uh, really made it over to him, didn't it? You remember the Highway Patrol Marines? They were attached to the Highway Patrol down the road from us. Yeah, yeah, I do. So they had gotten into a firefight. I don't know, 30, 40 clicks to our west, and they we were the QRF. We had just gotten there, and I was an inexperienced lieutenant, and I, I looked at the squad leader. This wasn't your squad; it was a different one. And uh, he was a great Marine. And he's, I was like, hey, we got to stop at every culvert to make sure there's no IEDs in there, right? Because I had read these stories about the Taliban putting IEDs in culverts. So he's like, uh, how often? And I said, every single one. And he's like, okay, sir. And then we take off in four vehicles. And he doesn't stop at any of them, right? And we're like, we're just zipping over these culverts one after another. I'm like, he's supposed to be stopping on these things. And then I I didn't get on the radio. I, I, I stopped for a minute and said, let me let me make sense of this. This squad leader has two combat deployments. This is his third. And there's a culvert every like quarter mile. If we stop at every culvert, we're never gonna get to the the objective, right? And so I didn't, I didn't say nothing. I'm like, okay, that was a stupid thing. But I didn't say nothing. I just let him go. I let him lead it. I mean, good, good initiative. Good initiative. Uh, what's the old saying? Bad judgment? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But also on that, uh, on that very same field op, 
I don't. I, I, I developed uh, a sense of uh, snoring at nighttime, and I didn't really realize it until uh, about that deployment when the guys would always come over to me and be like, yo, dude, can you shut up or can you get on your side or something? While we're up there. This is on the mountain. Yeah, this is on the mountain. Okay. That lieutenant, he was like, uh, hey, man, I heard you snore. I was like, yeah, it's news to me, man. Huh? You know, <laughs> who would have known a guy <laughs> snores? And he's like, um, well, you understand this is an OP, right? Well, we got to be pretty quiet and, you know, can't really give away our, our paws. And I was like, yeah, yeah, man, no problem. You know, not a, not a big issue. He's like, so I'm going to sleep with you. Uh, we're we're going to, you know, we're going to get real close. And uh, every time you snore, I'm going to start kicking you. And I'm like, all right, yeah, that sounds fine, dude. No problem. I don't think I got a wink of sleep that entire off. <laughs> he was like, dude, yeah, you, you were snored so bad. I think everybody uh, down the mountain could hear you. That's crazy. I've never I've never had an experience with a snoring Marine in the field before. Were you with me on that OP in the middle of town? We had gotten shot at three times in a week, and we thought we need to go out in the middle of town where these guys are shooting at us from and set an OP to see if they shoot at us so that we can kind of be behind them. Were you on that one with me? I don't think I was on that one. No. Okay. That was a crazy one. We, uh, we were on there for a few hours, probably four or five hours. And we had that, the vehicle patrol drop us off as if they were just out on the vehicle patrol. So we kind of snuck out of the back. There was only five of us, but I mean, that place died when it got dark, right? It was just nothing. It was nothing, man. It, yeah. After about five hours, I said, hey, let's, let's patrol back. We walked down the steps because we were on top of a building, and two Marines had gone one one each way, and I was a third guy down. There's two guys behind me. And right when I got to the bottom step, a set of headlights just turned on, and the car accelerated sounded like it was accelerating. It was like they put the pedal to the metal, right? Car hadn't come by in like four hours. And so my only thought was they've been waiting for us. This is a, a V-bed, a vehicle-borne IED. And so the two Marines that were in front of me already off, they just jumped behind something on the sides. The two Marines behind me were still on the steps. They ran back up to the roof. And I had my MVGs on. So I turned around. I didn't know what else to do. I was like right in the headlights. And I turned around and started running up the steps. I got about six feet up, and there was a an empty space. So there was the steps and then the empty space from the top of the roof down to the bottom. So the steps landing and then steps back up. When I was almost to the landing, the death perception in my goggles, you know, it's awful. My left foot missed, and I went head first. And there was a motorcycle at the bottom. I went head first on top of a motorcycle. And then it was just like this giant boom, right? I landed on my head. So I saw stars. I felt blood in my mouth and everything. The vehicle just drove by. I get up and the two Marines at the bottom are like, are you okay, sir? I'm like, I don't know. I think so. I'm good. Let's, let's get out of here. I've been using Isogenics since 2017. These products have made a world of difference in my quality of life, health, energy, muscle definition, strength, and endurance. My bread and butter products have been the daily essential multivitamins with Isogenesis, which is a telomere support supplement, the Isolane meal replacement shake, the Tri-Release 
protein shake, the collagen, the green drink, and the Cleanse for Life support system. However, Isogenics has many products and can cater to your unique lifestyle and goals. Click the link in the show notes or visit nmp.isogenics.com. That's nmp.isagenix.com to find out more. Besides just using the products, there is an option to partner with me and the company to build your own business with no capital up front. You can do as little as pay for your products and as much as making a full-time income. I love these products and will use them the rest of my life. You can also message me if you have any questions. I think we we missed a ball. Uh, we didn't get to celebrate it. Uh, we had like a makeup ball. I remember being with this uh, this Marine and we had uh, just gotten done with the ball. We just decided, you know, let's just keep the party flowing, popping back and forth from, from place to place. I can't remember exactly the time when it was, but I know it was before daybreak and uh, way after probably everybody's bedtime. But we started walking by this uh, hotel back to our uh, hotel room and uh, the hotel we were walking by was the Venetian. Oh, this is in Vegas? Yeah, this was in Vegas. And I was like, uh, hey, man, you know, wouldn't it be a good idea for us to uh, tactically acquire one of those gondolas and uh, kind of go for a boat ride? And he looked at me and he's like, <laughs> yeah, man, I, I think it would be. So we did uh, the, the only smart thing to know to do. Uh, we did a little hasty... Uh, Hasty search of the area and uh, did a little reconnaissance, made sure we were clear. Uh, we went ahead and uh, jumped on one of those gondolas and started uh, riding it around that little uh, pond right there in front of the Venetian. We had seen this couple. It was a, uh, a Navy man uh, or a Navy guy and, and his wife, and uh, we assumed that they were just newlyweds, but they were probably just coming back from the same ball we were, and... Um, we said, you know what, wouldn't it be just the most romantic thing in the world to give this couple, this nice, beautiful Navy couple, a ride on our gondola? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, yeah, it would, man. Yeah, it would. So we go over there and we uh, say, hey, uh, looks like you guys need a ride uh, to the other side of the, the pond here. <laughs> and uh, the guy's like, you know what? Yeah, sure enough, we do, man. Sure enough, we do. So uh, they they hop in with us. You know, granted, this this uh, water was like probably the size of two Olympic swimming pools. It it's not like a, a huge lake or massive lake. It's pretty dang small. So we're just kind of going around in circles, giving this couple a ride, and lo and behold, somebody was uh, sweeping the streets right there who worked for the hotel. He he came and started yelling at us. He's like, "Hey." you guys know what you did? This is grand larceny. Uh, you know, you guys could be arrested and sent to jail and it's grand larceny because it's, you know, $20,000 boat. And, uh, I was like, well, probably never would have, but, but, uh, he, he started screaming, yelling at us. And he's like, I'm going to get the cops. I'm going to get the cops. And, uh, man, sure enough, he, he went and grabbed him and we, uh, we pulled the boat up and uh, everybody got off and two cops come over to us and they were like, you guys could be arrested for, uh, taking this thing do you know what the hell you were doing i was like 
man, it's not like we're stealing anything. You know, we're just giving some people a boat ride. Hell, where do you think we're going to take it? You know, you think we're going to take it back to the barracks with us? Uh, yeah, we're, we're just going to hook this up to my Mercury Grand Marquis and haul this thing on back. And uh, one, one of the cops looked to the other and he's like, man, to the best of my memory, I've never seen two drunk Marines, uh, you know, tactically acquire a boat in front of the Venetian. This is a first for me. <laughs> he, he's like, all right, uh, if you guys are uh, good to walk home, just go ahead and go home now and uh, please stay away from uh, the Venetian for the rest of the night. And we're like, hey, you got it, man. <laughs> we're out of here. I, I just thought it was so awesome that we could literally take a gondola from one of the nicest hotels and drive it around for a minute and two cops just come up and laugh at us and you know say, hey, get your drunk butts out of here, man, and go sleep that thing off. After we got back from the deployment, how much longer did you have until you EAS'd? We got back in May. I got out in August. I can't remember if if you asked me, uh, but I definitely remember uh, the platoon sergeant asking me if while I was still in Afghanistan, if I wanted to uh, to go on another pump. I was like, man, three and four years is enough for me. I think I'm done. What I can say, and I I know that this is uh, really geared towards you know, helping people see that there's a better way of doing things and uh, just kind of bringing awareness. Troy, I don't, I don't know if you're aware, but whenever I came home, I was just kind of a mess. I really got heavy into drinking. You know, I, I would start to smoke weed, um, skip out on class and, and not really focus on myself and, and do the right thing. And man, that, that lasted for a good 10 years. It was a, a tough and rough time in my, in my life. But the one thing that I did and I can say has been the most grateful and beneficial thing was I, I went and asked for help. I, I found men that told me that there was a better way to do this, that you could live your life without fear, without guilt, without remorse, without resentment, without looking to the bottle. I mean, my wife walked in on me and I had a loaded pistol in my hand. You know, thankfully she jumped right on it and, I went and got help, put the bottle away, and man, I, I've just been extremely grateful. I've, I've got God in my life, and I've got a, a young son that I get to cherish every single day, and I get to take him to, to school, to daycare. I get to pick him up. My only plug is if you know, you're struggling and you think that there's only one way, reach out and talk to somebody. I definitely know that there's resources out there, uh, even if you think that you reaching out and asking for help is, is less than or it makes you a, a pussy or a bitch or whatever you know people say because we've we've all heard those things but when it doesn't and i think that you'll really find there's answers out there if you just look for them everybody has value in this life everybody has something to contribute so thanks so much for sharing that i appreciate that yeah of course of course um man it's it's been a pleasure getting to to see you and and do this uh, i'm grateful for the opportunity brother it, it really really means a lot to me yeah thanks for coming on dylan appreciate it thank you for listening please tell your friends and family so that we can bring more joy and awareness to those struggling with suicide ideation and the families who desperately need help after the loss of someone they love to suicide
Ghost Turd Stories donates 50% of its profits from the sale of our merchandise line and our content subscriptions to carefully selected families of veterans and first responders who have taken their own life. The other 50% is used to grow the company in order to bring greater awareness of the struggle many veterans and first responders have relating to mental health challenges and suicide ideation. The profits from the sale of our books will go to pay the veterans and first responders whose stories are showcased and to build the company resulting in more people helped and lifted out of the struggle. To help spread the word and be part of a Ghost Turd Stories movement, you can purchase merchandise at ghostturdstories.myshopify.com. To be part of a growing community and movement and to subscribe to additional content besides our podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash ghost turd stories. Thank you.